Hello, my name is Alan Crone. I'm the managing uh, member and founder of the Crone Law Firm. Uh, the Crone Law Firm is an employment law firm located in Memphis, Tennessee, and we represent employees, executives, and entrepreneurs uh, in any dispute that affects their ability uh, to make money. If you uh, talk to uh, a lot of traditional lawyers, uh, lawyers particularly who aren't in the employment law field, uh, a lot of them will say, well, employment law is wrongful termination and HR compliance and that sort of thing, and it certainly is. Uh, but I include in employment law um, any dispute that affects your ability to make money, and that's what we're going to, one of those that uh, are not traditionally thought of as employment law uh, are what I call business divorces. And you hear that, that term in legal circles more and more these days, and basically it refers to disputes between partners uh, or equity members of a business. It can be uh, two partners who have just a, a, a partnership, uh, two members of a limited liability company, two more members of uh, uh, shareholders in a corporation. Um, basically, it's any dispute between uh, owners of a business uh, that impacts the, the business's ability to make money and impacts their ability to stay uh, together as business partners. And as I say, I include that in, in employment law. Some lawyers uh, might call that commercial litigation or uh, uh, business governance issues. There are lots of names for it, uh, but I'm calling it business divorce because it's, it, it can be very, very similar to uh, a domestic family law situation. Uh, I had a, a partner for years, a fellow named Miles Mason, who's a, a lawyer here in Memphis, does uh, exclusively family law. And uh, I saw the kinds of disputes that erupted when uh, spouses uh, decided to separate. And many of those same um, issues emotionally and practically uh, come into play when two business owners who uh, had been in partnership together or business together decide that they no longer want to be in business together. Sometimes it's a unilateral decision. One partner or one group of partners makes that decision. Sometimes it's mutual. Um, but it's always very difficult because uh, whether, uh, no matter what the business is, no matter how involved the partners are in the business, uh, it can be a very emotional time. Uh, and so that litigation tends to be different than other types of litigation. And the stakes are very, very high because uh, people have invested in those companies. Uh, sometimes people's sole livelihood are coming from those companies. And so how it's disposed of, uh, once everybody decides that it's not going to work anymore is very, very important uh, to all parties involved. And so we take those cases very seriously and um, we take resolving them quickly very seriously if, uh, if we can uh, because uh, fighting over these things rarely is uh, a benefit uh, to anyone. So uh, as always, we've got some uh, frequently asked questions that we're going to go through and hopefully that will uh, help if you uh, are in this uh, situation or you know someone in this situation. Um, we can be reached here at the Crone Law Firm uh, by phone at 901-737-7740. That's 901-737-7740. Uh, or you can email us at firm at com. And of course, our website is plc. Uh, Dot com. And we've handled these cases uh, 
in the Mid-South and uh, all over uh, the Southeast. So if you have a question, please uh, feel free to contact us and we'll be glad uh, uh, to talk with you and see if we can help you. And in the meantime, we're going to take a shot at giving you some answers on these uh, frequently asked questions and maybe that provides a basis to, for people to start thinking about how these issues might affect them. First question, what is a business divorce? And we've, I've already uh, answered that a little bit, but it's basically when uh, one or more partners of a business uh, decide that they no longer want to be in business with one or more of their other partners. And um, it, it, there are almost innumerable ways that that can happen. A classic way is two business partners, each have 50-50% uh, of a company, and one decides that he can do better on his own. Uh, and wants to, to go off and do that uh, and exclude the other partner uh, or the other uh, one partner just decides that she uh, doesn't like the way the other partner wants to do business and she wants to have nothing more of it and she wants to move on. Uh, uh, this also could uh, uh, concern situations where you might have one employee, a key employee who has a certain uh, ownership percentage of the business. Frequently we see highly placed executives like uh, members of the C-suite, chief executive officers, chief financial officers, that sort of thing who have 10%, 15%, 30% or more uh, ownership interest in the company and the company decides for whatever reason that they want to terminate the employment relationship, well that also might trigger uh, a cashing out, if you will, of the ownership uh, interest. And sometimes companies don't think, uh, don't think that all the way through when they start that process uh, down the road. It also can be a problem if, if uh, the uh, employee decides that uh, she wants to go off and start working for another company. Um, she's not as free to do that because she still has that ownership interest in the company. So that's another type of business divorce. Uh, we have situations where you have majority shareholders, whether it's one uh, shareholder or a group of shareholders that control the company and one or more minority shareholders uh, that don't like the way the company is being run. Perhaps they don't like some business practices. Perhaps they don't think their return on investment is high enough. Uh, perhaps they're just frustrated because they're shut out of the decision making. And so uh, that can result in uh, a business divorce, uh, different types of litigation. Um, and so these, these situations arise out of a number of different um, uh, fact patterns. And it's important as, as the the business owner uh, makes plans on how to proceed with that, that they get some legal advice on what duties they owe to everyone, what duties are owed to them, and what's the best way to begin to untangle, uh, uh, to untangle that, um, uh, that dispute. So the next question is, how can I resolve a partnership dispute? Well, uh, again, the, the best uh, practice is through communication, and transparency and dialogue with the other partners. Uh, I'll tell you, I have frequently been involved in situations where um, as a lawyer I come in kind of at the end of the relationship and I can kind of look back and see that there's been miscommunication, um, uh, lack of communication, uh, or just plain hostility between people that really has built up over time and that personal relationship has deteriorated to the, to the point where it starts to affect the business relationship. And one sometimes wonders uh, if at the beginning of the dispute, if the parties had sat down in some sort of uh, 
uh, non-threatening, non-adversarial way and tried to work through the problem if they could have avoided some of the, the disputes that, that came along. But if you saw, uh, absent that, one of the first things that I would do is to go get a lawyer. And uh, you might say, well, Crone, you're a lawyer. That's going to be the first club out of your back. Well, perhaps. Um, but you really need someone to advise you uh, on your strategy because there are lots of uh, legal agreements that may come into play. Uh, you may have an employment agreement as well as a shareholder agreement. There may be non-competes, other restrictive covenants. Uh, everybody's going to owe each other fiduciary duties and duties of loyalty. And sometimes the the action that feels the best. Well, let's just lock it. Let's just lock uh, lock them out of the, um, the the bank account, or let's do this, or let's do that. Um, in order to uh, frustrate or madden the other party uh, is a lot of times it's counterproductive. And it's good to have a lawyer say, well, have you considered the ramifications of this? Uh, the best way uh, to resolve these disputes, as I say, is to try to get the, the core of the dispute out uh, onto the table. Uh, I've counseled some uh, ownership groups uh, to seek some uh, group counseling. Um, to really begin to understand what is the problem with the, with the dynamic among the ownership group that's causing these, these problems. Because sometimes, uh, even though the, the, the uh, solution may be, well, we're just going to dissolve the company, well, you end up killing the golden goose. You end up killing a company that's really working because you can't work together. And you really ought to try to avoid that. Um, sometimes the, the, the parties just can't afford to buy each other out. Uh, based on the valuation of, of the company. The company's doing so well, uh, but it doesn't have a whole lot of cash, but it's got a lot of business. Maybe it's leveraged, and so there's not a whole lot of equity to, to pull out of the company uh, to, to buy one party out or the other. Um, so you've, I think you've got to be realistic going in and level-headed about what are the, the business realities that you're dealing with and what are the real limitations on what can be done to solve the problem. And it may be that you have to, to agree to a long-term solution that everybody can live with rather than trying to pull a Band-Aid off. Uh, as I said, every situation is, is a little bit different. And so the first step is to get some professional help. Maybe, maybe the first step isn't a lawyer. Maybe you go to your accountant um, or an accountant and say, hey, this is the problem we're having. What solutions do, do you see? And the accountant may be able to help you with um, some of the, the business issues uh, that are, that are uh, at issue. Uh, there are also a lot of business coaches uh, out there who can come in and, and help evaluate a situation and provide some, some advice. So the first thing I would do is, is try to get some outside advice, get some uh, third-party eyes on your situation, whether it's a lawyer, an accountant, a business coach, or someone else, um, to, to kind of help you see beyond maybe what are some of the personal uh, emotional issues and what are the real business realities that we're dealing with. Um, next question is, well, how do I legally force out a partner from my company? Well, uh, it's very difficult to force out a partner. What you can do is if the partner is not, uh, does not have enough uh, ownership interest to govern the company, um, then you can just relegate that person to a minority shareholder uh, situation. Uh, one of the worst situations that you can have in business is to have a minority shareholder. 
uh, whether that's a member of an LLC or a minority partner or a minority uh, shareholder in a corporation. Uh, because once someone uh, is kind of relegated to that status, uh, most people are not happy to do that, particularly if they've been uh, active, involved in the, in the company, maybe uh, helped to build the company and to be relegated to a, a, a passive role uh, oftentimes doesn't uh, sit very well. Uh, it's also important to understand the uh, person's ownership uh, role versus any employment role that the person has. Let's say the person we're dealing with is the vice president of the company and has been in charge of operations. Well, you can sever that, that employment relationship and hire a new operations person and stop paying that person their salary if that's how you were organized, uh, but that doesn't solve the ownership interest. And so you want to be very careful about how you, you deal with that. Now, um, you can, uh, in that circumstance, you could fire the person and say, okay, now you're, you're going to be a minority shareholder and, and we'll deal with you in that, in that respect, and that's fine. Um, but that also means you're going to have to share profits with that person based on uh, the uh, uh, bylaws and operating agreement or whatever shareholder agreements there may be in place. Um, and that person is still going to be owed a fiduciary duty. Uh, you, you can't just act with impunity, say, well, it's my company. Well, it's your company, but you also have a, another partner out there, another equity holder. And so that, that person has to be considered. And they have certain rights to review uh, documents and review accounts. and um, it, if if they want to be uh, they want to be active, there's a there's a certain amount of activity that they can be involved in, and that can be frustrating, particularly if uh, they they act as the opposition and uh, object to every business move that want that you want to make. Um, so you can freeze them out to a certain extent, uh, but there are ramifications for that, both legal and practical, um, and you can't just completely uh, set them out. Uh, without uh, some sort of compensation uh, to zero out the situation or having that ongoing relationship. Uh, again, going back to the uh, divorce situation, it's, it's similar to two parents divorcing. They still have a child and they still have to parent that child in some way. Same thing with the business. Um, uh, and you, you, you have to respect the other person's role, whatever that might be. Now, if the person is a minority shareholder and owns 2% of the company, then that's a much different situation than if the minority shareholder owns 25% or maybe 45% of the equity. And so again, each situation is going to be, be different. Um, conversely, the qu question arises, well, can my business partners push me out of the company? I said before, the one of the worst things in business is to have a minority shareholder. Well, the only thing as bad as that is to be a minority shareholder. Uh, because again, um, if you don't own uh, a controlling interest in the company, then um, you, you can, your role can be marginalized uh, and that can be very frustrating. And if, if uh, the majority uh, is careful about how they do it and uh, consult an attorney and stay within their bounds and um, observe their duty of loyalty, then uh, you may not um, have a whole lot of recourse. Uh, frequently, businesses have uh, buy-sell agreements that uh, address these situations. And so one of the things you want to do is to look at your bylaws if you're a corporation or operating agreement or shareholder agreement 
uh, or partnership agreement um, that's going to, those agreements typically uh, outline uh, certain responsibilities and certain obligations that each of the parties owe to each other. And uh, if you're lucky, it might even outline a method by which in that situation uh, the company or the other shareholders can buy you out of your equity uh, interest. And uh, that can be a very, very valuable thing. And those, those agreements are called uh, buy-sell agreements. Sometimes they're called shareholder agreements. Um, and that leads to the question, well, what is a buy-sell agreement? What is a shareholder agreement? In this, in this context, a buy-sell agreement is an agreement that deals with certain triggering events, um, and it may be death or disability, or it may be termination, or uh, it could be uh, the desire of one or more of the partners to withdraw, or a vote of the board of directors to expel a, uh, a member. And when the triggering event is triggered, then the buy-sell agreement will tell you uh, how the, the, uh, the valuation of the person's shares will be done and how the, the payouts will be made. Now, we could do and probably will do a whole uh, uh, a chat on buy-sell agreements because they're very uh, complex and detailed. Um, most of them are written uh, at the very, very beginning of the company and uh, are generally pretty vague and vanilla and uh, sometimes they're very specific and I've had situations where I had a very specific, I had a client who had a very specific buy-sell agreement but their situation wasn't a triggering event under the buy-sell agreement in which case the buy-sell agreement was really was a guideline, uh, it was a suggestion on how to proceed but it wasn't, um, it wasn't controlling on how to proceed. So you want to uh, understand your rights and understand the, po the, uh, the procedures under all of those agreements uh, and that'll tell you what kind of operation you have, what kind of um, recourse you have against, your, against the company or against your other shareholders. And so one of the things that may be, uh, that should be uh, covered in that agreement is how am I going to place a value on my shares that's fair and then how is the company going to raise the money uh, to pay me back? Are they going to pay me in installments? Are they going to pay me in a lump sum? Are they going to have to take out a loan? All of these things are uh, could be um, uh, covered in the buy-sell agreement. Now the dirty little secret of buy-sell agreements is that they're kind of ticking time bombs and by that I mean that that the buy-sell agreement is sitting there and nobody really knows who's going to invoke it and if it's not carefully crafted uh, once you decide to invoke it, it could be extremely unfair to one party or the other. And so that's one reason why I always suggest even if you're not having any problems, particularly if you're not having any problems, it's good to have those buy-sell agreements reviewed uh, on, a, on a, a regular basis to make sure they still um, keep up with uh, uh, how your business uh, uh, exit might be done if, if it was triggered. So um, what is the purpose of a business valuation? Well, business valuation is basically a process by which some outside party, perhaps a, there are certified business valuators uh, out there, uh, accountants, there are a number of different professionals that can, that can provide a valuation, and they can come in and tell you what your business is worth. And so if your business is worth a million dollars and you own 10% of it, then in theory, um, your value is $100,000. There are many factors that can affect the value of the business. If it's a closely held business, you know, what is the market uh, for your shares? Um, 
that may reduce the value of your shares because there's just not a market for it. The only other market is sitting across the table from you. Um, and some businesses uh, are highly marketable and people are willing to buy in and out of those businesses um, and those valuations are, are usually pretty, pretty accurate. So one of the things you want to do in a buy-sell agreement is have a clear and articulated method by which the, the company is going to be valued. I really urge people to do regular valuations of their business either annually or every two years um, for purposes, for banking purposes or insurance purposes, but also for this buy-sell purpose so that everybody kind of agrees on what the company is worth and everybody knows within a few months um, what the value of the company is. If, if you're trying to uh, exit the business in June and uh, you had a valuation done in January or March, then that's, a, that's probably a uh, fair evaluation, valuation for, for that business. But if you haven't had the business valued in 10 years, that valuation probably is worthless. It certainly is going to be subject to criticism by whoever is uh, disadvantaged by that valuation. Um, so you want to find someone to value your business, or either who has a tremendous amount of uh, experience evaluating businesses of all kinds, or someone has a tremendous amount of experience evaluating businesses in your particular industry. And depending upon how specific your industry is, uh, that will dictate whether you go with the former or the latter. Um, but it, it's important uh, to get a handle on that as soon as, as, soon as you can. Um, I, I've seen these, these types of cases come and go, and uh, at some point what you hope for is that someone's business judgment uh, jumps in and stops the spending because these cases can be very expensive, they usually are allegations of dishonesty, uh, misappropriation, bad business judgment, all sorts of things and get very nasty. And what you hope is that at some point um, the, the partners can sit down, put some of that behind them and try to work the math problem out of how much is this business worth, what's a fair amount uh, to pay the departing member and let's pay them and let's move on uh, with our lives. Uh, Long protracted litigation uh, only uh, hurts your company, probably hurts the shareholders, and might marginally help uh, the lawyers who are getting paid. Uh, but usually, the lawyers, if they're good, they want to see the situation resolved, not not litigation uh, perpetuated. Uh, that is a uh, thumbnail sketch, tip of the iceberg uh, discussion about business uh, divorces. Uh, it, they can be very painful, they can be very difficult, and one of the things that we try to do here at the Crone Law Firm when we represent people on either side of a, a business divorce like that is to really try to help them uh, deal with the emotional side of it because it is, uh, depending upon the kind of business that you're dealing with and how long uh, the people have been involved, it be a very deeply personal thing. And, and we respect that and understand that and want to validate that, but at the same time, it is a business transaction. And one thing we try to do is to help our clients get past the emotion, deal with the emotion, but let's focus on uh, a business work out of this problem um, that's beneficial to our client, but uh, also is uh, the kind of uh, resolution that the other side will agree to so that everybody can move on with their lives. 
Again, if you'd like to call us, our number is 901-737-7740, and our website is PLC.com. Have a great weekend. Thanks for watching.